0: It was the dawn of the third age, and now it's an episode of Nutty Bites. Welcome, everyone. This is nuke Chess.
1: Zathras says, "Not the tech,
0: not the tech." But I
1: am the tech. I am not Zathras as much as I want to be. Sometimes, <laughs> as much
0: as much as I'd like to have a Zathras's wisdom, uh, not, the one, not, not the one, not the one, not the one, not yet (laughs) uh but uh yeah we just watched the trailer for the babylon 5 animated series series movie movie Movie? this is how fresh we are we're we're i i've been The animated thing i've been anticipating this but um I, I've also been... It is a movie, yeah. Movie. I've been... The,
1: Babylon 5, The Road Home.
0: The Road Home. I've been holding off on diving too deep because I've been afraid it wasn't going to happen. Now, I know that JMS said it's already filmed, it's already done. I just don't trust it. We were promised the return of Babylon 5 so many times. It's it's worse than Firefly um, when it comes to trying to get Babylon 5 back up and running. Uh, so we decided we were going to do, after watching the trailer, we were so excited, we we're going to do an episode of Why We Love Babylon 5.
1: Right. This isn't dinner in a movie. No, it's not dinner in a movie. This is us kind of nerding out for a bit here. And uh, now... Among your fans, I'm sure there are some of the the wireless listeners that have absolutely no idea what Babylon 5 is. Exactly. And meanwhile, the other half of the audience is screaming into their radios and their various pod player devices right now, very angry at us that we didn't invite them onto this show. Yes. Well... To all of you, I can say, because we invited nobody. We were selfish and
0: kept this conversation all for ourselves. This really is a reactionary podcast. So here's here's what we're going to do. There are a lot of the listeners that absolutely love Babylon 5. Uh, quite a few of our listeners and patrons podcast about, about Babylon, Babylon 5. 5.
1: Absolutely. So
0: we understand that you are all experts. This is what I would love. If you are listening to this and you have a love for Babylon five, please record a voicemail, record a quick clip on your phone, record a reel, uh, uh, whatever it is, send it to me via discord. I'm still on Twitter. I know I shouldn't be, uh, Instagram email. You could call in on the, um, 800 number at the end. I still get those. I do get those, uh, uh, carrier pigeon i don't have a receiving station but you know what if a pigeon shows up and it's got a little flash drive and there's an mp3 on it i'm gonna listen to it
1: but rory may eat it the pigeon you may not get the pigeon back
0: yeah you might not get the pigeon back um but please send us a quick little clip about why you love babylon 5 because i would like to do a sequel I want to collect as many as I can. We do one of
1: those reactionary mini or something. Yeah, where like. We play the feedback and get everybody's opinion.
0: Yeah. And, and I don't know when this is, um, it's supposed to release in August. So that is, um, I'm, I'm, I was thinking during dog days, I would play everybody's anticipation. You know, I would play those, those responses. And then when it comes out in August, we can then do a third episode about Babylon 5. Um, as long as we like it and we don't all just absolutely hate it and just burn all our, our discs, we would never do that because the the original source material is so good, but you know what I'm saying? So I, I have a plan of including as many people as I can. So please send us your feedback, record something. We want to hear your voices. Tell us why you love Babylon five. But today we're going to tell you why we love Babylon five and tech. Why don't you start us out with your introduction to Babylon five?
1: My patented 30 second summary?
0: Oh, oh, yeah, sure. We'll start out with what is Babylon 5 for everybody going, what is this Babylon 5?
1: Babylon 5 is a TV show, came out in the 90s, uh, very, very, very sci fi. Uh, on my television, I remember it came out at about the same time as uh, as uh, Deep Space Nine, so I had two competing sci fi shows on my television about a, a space station being run while aliens are trying to blow it up. But, uh, Babylon 5 is unique in that uh the the premise of is uh, the premise is that this space station Babylon 5 is a safe space in neutral ground for all of the different warring factions that are that are fighting in the galaxy and that instead of uh only concentrating on one faction every episode we sort of tour around the space station and we see it from the point of view of these factions that are at war with each other and in larger wars with other things that we'll talk about later. But, uh, you know, they're, they're at war, but on the station, there's a tentative peace and it's about the sort of diplomatic, uh, struggles between these people that while their countries hate each other, they end up being friends. And it's all about the, the interpersonal, uh, you know, and sometimes romantic relationships that these diplomats have with each other. Um, it, is very nineties, very dated, uh, funny, serious, sad, amazing, and uh, I'd say underappreciated. Agreed. Um, it is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. Uh, I try to do a repeat every few years. Um, there's things from that show that I still quote today. Um, I I love this as much as I love Star Trek and as much as I love Star Wars. You know, the three of them are like the trilogy in my uh, the the. The trifecta of the space saga stuff
0: and if you have if you're unexposed to Babylon 5 it is an important show because it did change the way television was run and especially science fiction television which then changed how all television is done back in the 80s television you didn't have to watch every episode uh, everything, all the storylines would get reset and you could watch things out of order. Yeah, it was the Monster of the Week stuff. Yeah, everything was Monster of the Week and there really wasn't a continuing arc. Babylon 5, J. J. Michael Straczynski decided he was going to make a, a show that had a story and he had a five-year story arc and he had it all planned out and that was the show. It would go for five years and that was it. And... This hadn't been done before and he was told you can't do that, especially in a time when people still had VCRs and, you know, there were, um, uh, summertime repeats and things like that. And if you missed an episode and somebody didn't tape it, well, then they'd be lost and they'd tune out. And he said, no, I think people are ready for this, but now, now, That's just the way of television. Well,
1: I I think binging uh, streaming content has sort of changed that forever now where because you're going to watch eight episodes in a row in a marathon, they can make a story like that and not take the risk that JMS did with B5 because it was a big risk. And you know what? It worked. Um, But they always not without
0: its hurdles, though. (laughs) Like what, Nutty? Oh, production wise, you know, like getting canceled in the fourth season, being told you got to wrap it up for season four and having such high ratings that they said, oh, we'll give you another season. And then he had to figure out what to do with the last season.
1: Right. Which wasn't very good. Yeah. Because it didn't meet with his plan. You know, he walked in with a five year plan and 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 started and started working on it. Hmm. But um, even then, you know, there manages to be your your little B plots and your little monster of the week episodes every now and then and. You know, like uh, one episode where the entire B-plot is two maintenance workers talking about how different alien food still ends up tasting like chicken and how they don't understand how that works.
0: Spoo. Spoo. Six credits, if you could believe that. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 such a great show. The dr- like you said, it's got drama, it's got interpersonal relationships, it's got um, a giant praying mantis. Galactic you know, Giant Praining Mantis as the Underworld Contact, by the way. He could get you anything. It's just always going to be expensive. Um But, you know, you had your cool characters. You had your very serious characters. It gave a second life to Walter Koenig's career. Uh Babylon 5 was special. Now, I didn't watch it in its heyday because Tech and I t- had similar options where it was you could watch Babylon 5 or you could watch Deep Space 9 I
1: chose Babylon 5
0: and I chose Deep Space 9 <laughs> there was something and and you know
1: this is uh, one of the things as to why uh, going back and watching it now is hard for two reasons one uh, I'd say the costumes the sets and the computer graphics that are used to animate the space scenes are all quite dated they're all very mm-hmm. early 90s and um Some would say bad. I'd say no. Like the graphics were done on an Amiga video toaster, which was cutting edge technology at the time, and looked amazing. And today,
0: for TV, uh, it was
1: great. And today, it you know, it's imagine having the graphics of a big budget movie like the last Starfighter but without needing Cray supercomputers to do it, and you could do it on an Amiga home computer. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing, and it's beautiful, but it is kind of dated compared to the graphics that we can push out of a computer today. The other big problem is that they filmed all of this on film, so you'd think that getting a high-def... Uh, remake of the show in widescreen would be really easy to do, except that nobody had any faith in this. Nobody thought it would go anywhere, that it was just a TV show. So they destroyed the film. The only thing we have left are the TV recordings. Yeah.
0: And the thing is, they were ahead of their time because they filmed it in widescreen format. Yeah. And they said, that's stupid. Television is four by three. Yep. And JMS said, no, this makes sense in letterbox. So it was letterbox on television when people still had like 20 inches was a huge TV. And so if you if you watch like the DVDs and stuff, uh, you can make it expand to your full television uh, widescreen and it looks great. Um, but the problem is somebody at Warner Brothers hated it. They would put in episodes for awards and different things and some executive at Warner Brothers would pull them back and would refuse for like the Emmys to even uh uh give them a nomination for computer uh graphics or for costuming or makeup or any of the things that sci-fi can actually get. Um they would submit for Hugo's and Warner Brothers would pull it back and say no. So they did have definitely some enemies for sure. I would love a remastering of this this show. I I've always said that they could give us a remaster and And all of the computer, you know, all of the space scenes done on an Amiga toaster, just recreate with modern computers, and it would look amazing. Uh, As I'm
1: looking here very quickly, uh, it did manage to win uh, two Emmys, two Hugos, a Saturn, and a Nebula. Well, that's good. And then nominated for six more Emmys.
0: Oh, excellent. I, I was always told that it was pulled back, so... I don't know what I'm talking about. But Maybe then again, but then again a- Emmys are for Outstanding
1: Individual Achievement in Special Visual Effects Yeah, and Outstanding Individual Achievement in Hairstyling.
0: There you go. There you go. <laughs>
1: Londo gets an award.
0: I mean, you should get an award just for being able to get that hair to stay up. So, I mean, there's there's definitely that. Um, but, so... Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so the, the show... It's it's dated and it's hard to
1: find in high def. Impossible to find in high def. I have seen some stuff on YouTube though. There are some fan uh, projects that have been upscaling the graphics and really working on remaking yeah. those uh, those space battle scenes. Yeah, um, got to give it to the fans. That's the one thing I like about this show. Space in this is space according to the rules of physics as we know them. So the space fighters, they don't fly like an airplane. They have little thruster jets that sort of spin them around like uh, like a, like a space capsule or the space shuttle does, where they have to use vernier thrusters to reorient themselves because mass and inertia are real things so too in the Babylon 5 universe Uh, the only conceit is that all the space guns and the space lasers and stuff make noise which we know in space they'd be silent but uh, it's I think the only the only TV show that's done quiet space was Serenity or uh, Firefly yeah where their space was absolutely silent and that was really cool how they did that but um, B5 is an awesome show if you get past Especially in the early seasons, the, the, the sets are kind of murky looking, the, 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 the space graphics are kind of weird, the aliens don't look the best, but I'm reminded a lot about, uh, there's a, there's a comedy movie that came out in 2009 called Gentleman Broncos starring, uh-huh. uh, Love Michael Engarano and Jermaine Clement and Jennifer Coolidge and Sam Rockwell. Uh, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Clement, uh, the one of the guys from the, um uh, Flight of the Conchords? Flight of the Conchords, that's it, thank you. The New Zealander uh, plays a an author, uh, a sci-fi author, and he steals the spec script of this kid. Anyway, um, but whenever the kid is imagining what his spec script would look like as a sci-fi series, you can agree with me, Nutty, it's awful. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. It's god-awful. It's, it's, Space cyclopses and weirdo vehicles. and
0: It's done in a way that it... It's what you would expect people who are not sci-fi fans to visualize whenever we talk about anything sci-fi like like maybe a roger zelansky novel kind of a what would that look like as a movie sort of yeah because it's weird but it's designed to be weird because it's meant
1: to be you looking at sci-fi but you don't like it yeah so you don't like this gate i love sci-fi i get gentleman bronco vibes from the first couple of seasons of babylon 5 sometimes where it's just what am i watching like this is Weird. Yeah. I mean, uh, come on, the scene where, um, Veer helps, uh, Michael Garibaldi build the motorcycle, but he puts the- That's Lanier. That's Lanier, sorry. Lanier. Lanier. Helps him build the space motorcycle. Yes. Yeah, that's not the best.
0: That's a great episode. It's a great episode. It's
1: a horrible scene. So, The, 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 the bad special effects of the bike zooming down the space station is pretty bad. I
0: don't know. Uh, see, the thing is, um, and and this is, again, if you've never watched Babylon 5 and you're just listening to this, or if you're a huge fan, there is a thing out there called an intercast podcast where somebody's introduced to something they've never watched before by longtime fans. We do a version of that with Intro to Ghibli, where Jen and Jason are guiding us through the Studio Ghibli sh- movies. Um the one that I started with was Potential Cast, where people were getting introduced to Buffy. There are lots of these out there. The only single uh one of these intro casts where the newbies became fans of the show and loved the show in the first season was Babylon 5 in the Down Below podcast. They cringed on the first couple of episodes but they were in, in a couple of episodes, yeah. they were in because the writing was that good. They yeah. could get past yeah. the cheesy uniforms, they could get past the dated 80s hairstyles, and they could get past the bad special effects. Now, once you get into season two, things start to really get good. And when they change their uniforms, everybody's in love with the show. Now, yeah, and, and that's the thing.
1: I mean, everybody loves Star Wars. It's very hard, hard to find somebody that doesn't like Star Wars on, on some level. But we not can not today. <laughs> but we can all agree that in that original trilogy, the dialogue is bad. Yep. The romance subplot is awful. And uh, character development is nil to nothing. And but the plot holes are huge. And the plot holes are huge. But the special effects are amazing, the costumes are great, the fighting is cool, and stormtroopers are amazing and we're all in love with it. Yeah. It's like the inverse for Babylon 5. Yes, exactly. It, the special effects are eh, video toaster. The um, uniforms, costume design, eh. but interpersonal deve- interpersonal uh, story arcs, amazing. Some of the best ever put on TV. Character development, amazing. You will laugh, you will cry, you will age along with these characters. Um, I love this show because I love the characters. I love all of them. Yeah. Even the ones I hate. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Morden. Oh, Mr. Mr. Morden, Morden is probably one of the best villains yeah. ever put into a show. Yeah. Kosh um. <laughs> is probably one of the best villains put into a show. The Giant Praying Mantis is probably one of the best villains. Put- They're all villains.
0: They're great. They're amazing. It's It's, it's a great... Well, and I'm wondering... How much of um people that like Doctor Who, especially people that could watch classic Doctor Who, like Babylon 5? I would not be surprised if they were in the same Venn diagram circle. Did anybody else ever notice that the
1: Ood from Doctor Who look a heck of a lot like the pac from Babylon 5?
0: There's so definitely some similarities, although I don't think the Ood are carrion eaters.
1: Three days dead.
0: Yeah. Now, that is one of the things that I love about Babylon 5. Star Trek does not have aliens that look alien. It's right. It's just it,
1: it, rubber on the forehead. It, it's just it, different nose crinkles. Right. Right. Or a funny
0: ear. But Star Wars, if they're truly alien, they're puppets, which is also great. And I love that in Farscape. Right. Babylon 5 is a television show that had... Full body makeup on main characters, and they were still able to emote. Mm-hmm. They were still able to act. They were still able to make you care. So what And I'm, And let's not forget, one of the main characters, Kosh. Yes, is Kosh. A, is a puppet. Is a puppet. You're right. Kosh is a puppet. And, and there is no emotion. There is no expression or anything. Um, but the, when
1: there is, it's amazing. Yes, <laughs> it, 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 the lines are delivered because it's a it's an alien in a, a in what they call an encounter suit. Because another one of the great things about Babylon Five compared to other, isn't it weird that on Star Trek? All of the aliens have two arms, two legs, ten fingers, two eyes, and they all speak perfect English, and yep. they can all breathe oxygen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not so in the Babylon 5 universe, where there are different sectors of the station with different atmospheres for the species that breathe chlorine, or the species that like it warmer, colder, brighter, darker, hotter, colder. So they've got these different sectors, Kosh, in order to, because the atmosphere that his species uh, breathe is toxic to everyone else. He hovers around the station in a spacesuit.
0: Yeah, in an encounter suit. He yeah, is. it's great. Um, and then when he's in his own uh, quarters, it's all like dark smoke and stuff.
1: Right, and we never see what he looks like.
0: Yeah, you never see what he looks like. Until we do. Yeah.
1: Like but, season four. But
0: So um, one of the main characters, not Kosh, that is in full makeup is Jakar. And Jakar looks like a lizard creature. And he's played by Andreas Kutsulis, who, if you watch Star Trek, you've seen him play every alien in Star Trek. Like, he is played, but most notably, I think, uh, Tomalak and the Cardassian from There Are Four Lights.
1: Yeah, the Cardassian from There Are Four Lights, and yeah, Commander Tamalok, the Romulan that, uh, ran the uh holodeck that tried to convince Riker he had a son
0: yeah I, it, it, he's an amazing actor he knows how to act through makeup and he's doing it with like these lizard red contacts on you don't see any skin at all he doesn't have ears um and he's a lizard. He's a lizard, but he is probably the most emotional character, and there is the most depth there and definite chewing of the curtains in all oh, the best well, way.
1: The, the best part of the show, far and away, and the parts I keep coming back to as my favorite are, it's the relationship between Jakar, who is the um, ambassador guy. for this race <laughs> of like lizard people, and these like... Roman dudes called the Centauri. Yes, which is a character named uh, Ambassador Malari.
0: Lando Malari.
1: Lando Malari. So they're like like space Italians, like space Romans with tentacles. D- with tentacles, and they have this weird sort of. They have this weird sort of a, a society that's going around enslaving other cultures. And one of the ones that they've enslaved are the lizard people. The not the Minbari. They're the. The Narn. The Narn. So they've enslaved the Narn people, and there's a, there's a, there's a war. There's a war to try to, you know, they, they want to free themselves from their yeah. enslavement by the Centaurum. Um, so you have these two ambassadors on the space station. They're not allowed to fight. The, the station is neutral ground, but they hate each other but they respect each other and
0: eventually eventually
1: (laughs) and they have they have a relationship that is so deep and so wonderful and so well written and so well acted by andreas katsoulis and peter Jurisic, who is yet again also acting royalty yes um being in everything i think he's still an acting teacher yes um
0: last i checked he may have retired i'm not sure but yeah he was uh one of the universities i think in atlanta i'm not even sure but yeah now now tech is googling that now we i will say all right so the original cast the original cast of babylon 5 uh you we're half of them have passed away since babylon 5 ended people just been dying left and right okay and i am not going to get it in order but i'm just going through the the cast list. And the, uh, first four people in the cast list are dead. So Mirafer Len played Delenn, who's another alien ambassador. She has passed recently. Um, a while ago, um, Richard Biggs, who played the doctor, Dr. Stephen Franklin, passed.
1: Oh, he, he, I think he passed almost immediately after the yeah, show. Yeah, it was F- really close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Stephen first, who played Virkoto, who's Aww. Londo's assistant. Everybody knows him from Animal House. Um, he's passed. Uh, Andreas. He was, he was sick too. Yes. Yes. He had uh, a lot of um, a lot of issues. Um, Andreas Katsoulis. He's passed. Peter Juric is still alive. Jerry Doyle. Uh, in the last couple of years, has passed. Uh, Bill Moomy is still alive. Bruce Boxleitner is still alive. Claudia Christensen uh, Ivanova is still alive. Jeff Conway, which you may remember from Taxi or Greece. He has also passed. Uh, Lita's alive. Talia, I believe, is alive. Um, the guy that played Marcus, uh, Jason Carter. So, uh, sorry, Talia is Andrea Thompson. Uh, Jason Carter, who played Marcus Cole, he, I think, is still alive. Um, but the original commander, Michael O'Hare, he has also passed. So, and he, even though he was the original commander, he came back a bunch. So, a lot of people have passed, but all of the original voice cast... Is still on the project and all of the original characters are still there.
1: Yeah, um, so that's the one, that's the one thing I gotta say that I find a little disheartening in the art style of this new movie Mm. is uh, the character of Commander Sheridan, Sheridan, uh, Captain Sheridan, played by, voiced by Bruce Boxleitner. Yes. Why does the character look thinner and younger than Bruce Boxleitner did when he played the character on TV? Yeah. Because uh, um, he was graying by yeah. the end of the show. And if this is supposed to take place afterwards, I'd expect to
0: see a little gray. Yeah, I think that's the art style. And um that's a lot of... Uh, uh, and I, come on, where's his captain's... Cat- phobic content Where's his something? captain's punch? I know, I know. He needs the captain's punch. But let's talk about the new voice cast. So to replace Dr. Franklin yes. is Phil Lamar.
1: Amazing. Perfect choice. Phil Lamar uh, can do no wrong. He's been in everything... Uh, from Mad TV to Futurama to basically every other cartoon that needs uh, that zany,
0: goofy voice. And thank you for hiring a black actor to play a black person. Thank you, thank you. It would have been very insensitive otherwise. Uh, and in that vein, they hired uh, another uh, Greek actor to play Jakar, even though the character's not Greek. The original actor was Greek, so that's really nice. Um Who? Uh, he, he, they're all like voice actors from a bunch of other things. Okay. Well, still mention um, the name, but I, I will mention the name. I can't pick out one voice that we would know them all by. So, um, Andrew Morgado is, uh, Jakar. Uh, Paul Gayet is Zastros. Um, Anthony Hansen, who doesn't even have a picture on IMDb, but he's been involved in like video game voice cast, mm-hmm. uh, plays Garibaldi. And then Rebecca Reedy plays Delenn. Also, she's been a voice in Guild Wars and a bunch of video games and all sorts of, uh, other things. So like very well known in the, the voice acting world of like video games and ADR and things like that, but not so much maybe if somebody knows one of the one you know one of these actors from something that we should know please let us know but in a quick review I, like yeah
1: man we got a lot to catch up on though as i'm looking here mm-hmm. so there's 110 episodes of the tv show so the yeah. the 22 episodes for five seasons yep there's the other tv show crusade that we still haven't watched yeah but, but they in the can't include universe. it. They can't include it? It's,
0: the content is not in the new TV show, uh, in the new movie.
1: Anyway, there's also six movies. Yes. This new one, The Way Home, The Road Home, is number seven in the TV movies. Also, there was an anthology TV show. Really? Called uh, Babylon 5, The Lost Tales. Came out in
0: 2006. Okay, uh, yes, yes, I had heard about that coming out, but I don't think I ever saw it. Nope,
1: I have, but I, I don't think I've even, I, I think I finished season five, and I think that's where I ended. Wow. I don't, I don't think I've ever watched Crusade, or maybe an episode, Uh mm. and I don't think I've seen any of the movies. I,
0: I, I, mm, yeah, I'm not sure, I, I, I don't think I've seen the movies. Now, I did not watch Babylon 5 when it was live on air. I didn't watch it until after it had been well off the air. Um, and I was brought about to Babylon 5 to be due to podcasting, thanks to Sci-Fi Dig. Aaron Maycomb got me interested in watching Babylon 5, and then you introduced it to me. We, wa- we bought the DVD sets mm-hmm. because we found them, which was impossible to find, by the way. It was impossible to find DVD sets. Um, and we found them at like... Oh, it was some box store. Radio Shack or yeah. yeah some something big box some yeah. big
1: box store that had them and we, we managed to scoop them all up. But the thing you know, I, I keep going back to it. I, I love this show because I love the characters. And I'm mm-hmm. willing to I'm willing to uh hand wave a bunch of things away yes. because the writing JMS's writing is just so darn good. And like And that's the thing. This is all on J. Michael Straczynski's shoulders because that guy, when he writes, he hits gold a lot more often than not. Yes. Um, He has written comic books and he started off... Actually, he started off as writing fan scripts for He-Man. Yep. And then uh, got picked up to be on the writing cast got to be a story editor on Shira but they refused to put
0: him and his co-writer into the credits so they walked so they <laughs> kind of yeah he created he and the co-creator created the character of Shira
1: yes yeah and, and they were brought on as story editors, but they wouldn't credit them, so yeah. they so they there was, a, there
0: was a whole bunch but of stuff going on there, yeah. He's done a whole bunch of comics. He's done a bunch of other Great TV shows. comics. Uh, Jeremiah is one of his TV shows that was about uh, a post-apocalyptic world where all the grown-ups died, and now the kids are adults. Is that the one with the, the guy from the Cosby show? Yes, that yes. That's the one with um all the the, the child actors. It was... uh Theo from the Cosby Show, Dylan from Nine Hundred Two One Zero, and um, uh, right Goonies, uh, Hobbit, uh, Sean Astin—that's his name, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but and you know, it
1: really wasn't my cup of tea. But I know it was one of your favorite TV shows. Even recently, well, even more recently on uh, Netflix, uh, JMS and the the Wachowski siblings did Sense Eight. Yes, which which was a massive revolution and a massive runaway hit. I'm, I, I can't, it wasn't my cup of tea. It wasn't the type of TV I I like to watch, but it was amazing and it was very, very popular. Very good. Yeah. And he, he
0: created that with the Wachowskis.
1: Right. And the, the thing that's important is, uh, He's never been afraid from tackling uh tough issues, and Babylon Five has its share of those very mm-hmm. special episodes where they talk about medical ethics and consent and uh, one of the main uh, one of the main themes throughout the show is the um the theme of change, yes, and personal change. And how internal change and external change can sometimes be be linked or not, and that sometimes we change inside without changing our exteriors, or we change our exterior and and our insides don't change. And is it good? Is it bad? Is it you know? And it's all done with space aliens on a spaceship, and in the early nineties, in the late eighties, and <coughs> excuse me, early nineties on TV. So it got past all the censors. Yep. And if you brought it out today, if Babylon 5 came out today, there would be riots in the streets from Oh, they're trying to push an LBGTQ
0: agenda. Well,
1: maybe he was.
0: Yeah, well, in in, in from what I had uh, read, that originally Delenn was supposed to be—the the Mimbari were supposed to be an androgynous race that didn't have gender. Right. And— but given spoilers that- for the first season of Babylon five at the end of the first season, Delenn goes through a change and she goes through this, this whole change and she looks a little more human. Originally, that's when Delenn was supposed to go from, uh, not having gender to having female gender.
1: Right. And, um, When you say goes through a change, we mean like like literally a six foot cocoon. Yeah, like a giant
0: crystal. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're inside the crystal. It's it's still their DNA is changing. It's still cornball science
1: fiction, folks. It's
0: it's great, but it's yeah. They're doing a a whole my DNA, not just my DNA is changing, but I'm going back into the history of my people's DNA. Yeah, it's it's a it's a big thing. Um and. It's very science fiction, but it's really worth it. Um, and I love Babylon 5. And, you know, every time I keep hearing about more new Babylon 5, I just kind of, oh, how can they do it without all of the actors? Well, animated is a way that you can do it. And how can we do it when somebody at Warner Brothers really hates it? But I hopefully that person is gone by now. Um, I don't. I don't think that we will be served dirty by this. I think that JMS is going to take care of our beloved series because he, he loves it just as much. Um, that's, that's my hope. And, and the fact that they developed this in secret
1: to keep meddling paws out of it and then, and to keep
0: people's conversations quiet. Right. And
1: then they weren't sure how they could release it because they, you know, and then they waited for COVID to be over and they're releasing it now. And I think, um, I have high hopes. I I think it's going to be great. Um, the dialogue looked a, sounded a little weird in the trailer. Like some of the some of the voice lines seemed like really stereotypical. But then again, it's it's sci-fi. So and I'm, it's a trailer. Like a, a drink
0: every time they say unstuck in time. Oh, that! But that I am so excited about because the ter- the words unstuck in time. Yes. Not I'm jumping between timelines. Not I'm in a multiverse. He's unstuck in time. Yes. Which harkens back to one of my favorite authors, Mm. Kurt Vonnegut. Right. Because Billy Pilgrim is unstuck in time. And I can't think of, and maybe I'm wrong. You're referencing Slaughterhouse-Five. I am. I I can't think of another fictional world where they use the words unstuck in time. Doctor Who? No, he jumps from time to time. I don't think he ever says that he's unstuck because Mm. the TARDIS helps him travel. He's been trapped in time. He's been stuck in time. But being able to travel without a time machine, uh, you know, uh, we we have in in the Marvel universe and other uh, comic book worlds being able to cross dimensions and there's dimension jumping or sliding and sliders. Um, There's, there's, you know, uh, uh, the multiverse as we saw with uh, Spider-Man and everything else. But I don't know. I, I... I'm excited because to me I did I would not be surprised if JMS is a Kurt Vonnegut fan. And that's
1: one of the if you haven't ever seen Babylon 5 but you liked Mass Effect, mm. I think this is one of those shows that uh, you should watch at least a couple episodes or maybe listen to the intro cast. Yeah. Uh, Would you say it was the Down Below podcast? Down Below podcast. Listen to the Down Below podcast for a couple of episodes and see how much, how much the writers of Mass Effect were obviously influenced by Babylon 5.
0: It's, yeah, yeah. And and there's so many things that they did, you know, like Buffy, when they, they were going through and they were watching Buffy, there's a lot of things that were done in Buffy that other TV shows then started doing, and they're like, You know, when you're watching it for the first time, you're saying, oh, I know this trope. And it's like, yeah, but this is the originator of that trope. Whereas in Babylon 5, there's a lot of things that they do in Babylon 5 that you don't really do anywhere else until Babylon 5. And then other shows, other movies and TV shows, they start doing it, you know, like having five-year story arcs and having things planned um out. Finding, uh, it's a story, you you know more of the details than
1: I do, but it's even, one of the things that they did very, very well in the show um, that other shows tend to suck at is replacing characters when an actor leaves. Yes. Because the original captain in the first season was Commander Sinclair. Yep. And the actor left because he went to
0: rehab? No, he, he went to, he was having difficulty with mental health oh, okay. and he went to a hospital. Oh, okay, okay. But when JMS started this, he realized that having a five year show plan, you can't secure actors for five years and things could happen. So he had a back door for every character on the show even small characters he had a back door and a replacement for what their role was and so he
1: when when see, he activated the back door for this guy when yes, the actor had to but leave when
0: the actor had to leave they had a conversation about it and he said do you think you would ever be able to come back and he said yeah I could come back for one or two you know maybe when I'm feeling well we could definitely talk about that and he said okay I won't kill you off I've got a spot for you. And uh, so Michael O'Hare got to come back a couple of times because Commander Jeffrey Sinclair had a larger purpose in the overall story. Um, but later on, when contract negotiations didn't work for Claudia Christian, um, they had a backdoor with, um, oh, what's her name? She's in the the, the new movie, uh, Elizabeth Lockley. Um, and, uh, when, when things happen with Marcus, we get not Marcus, who I don't like, um, (laughs) Byron, everybody hates Byron.
1: According, according to this, it was uh, a paranoid delusions and hallucinations. Yeah. Um,
0: and they kept it quiet. They kept it quiet until he passed. Uh, Michael O'Hare had said, "You can tell everybody the truth after I die, yeah, died but I 2012- don't want to deal with people's pity."
1: Yeah, died in 2012 of a heart attack. Yeah,
0: they had a they had a cover story, and then when he passed, this truth came out. Right, because he didn't want fans' pity. I can see that. Yeah, which is just so respectful. Yep. How everybody treated the situation and how they took care of their friend's mental health, and I, I love that because nope. there have been other shows. And we're talking about a Harvard,
1: a Harvard
0: educated,
1: Juilliard trained actor. Yep, uh, that was sick. And the the respect that JMS shows for not only the work but for his actors in that you know what we'll let you leave with your dignity and. Uh, come back on your own merits and he came back and had guest spots for the next two seasons when he he was healthy and when he could make it back he did and they worked around him right and they worked around it but they worked him into the story and you know what this reminds me a lot of they did something very similar in Star Trek The Next Generation Mm. with Guinan yes if Whoopi Goldberg was available then the lines would be spoken by Guinan and they would go to 10 forward and she would be in the bar and they would have the scene there if Whoopi Goldberg wasn't available to film that episode. They just gave those lines to Counselor Troy. Yep, and then it would be in a counseling session that you would get the advice that you needed. Yep, and so they had this—they had this—this this written cover built into yep. the into their plots, you know, to to cover a superstar mega actress who may not always be available to make it onto your dorky little sci-fi show.
0: Exactly. And and the reason why Whoopi Goldberg was on Star Trek is because Whoopi asked for it because Whoopi has been a fan of Star Trek since she was a child and it, Star Trek is what made her become an entertainer because she saw a black woman on TV who wasn't the maid. Look up that story. Whoopi talking about it. It's it's inspiring. Um, and that's Nichelle Nichols being on the original Star Trek. So, yeah. So he had... JMS had a backdoor... Uh, an escape route for every single character so he could still tell his story, which it, such forethought, such planning is amazing to me um, that he planned for the network to be a, a problem and for show business problems. He didn't plan for the writer's strike, but you know <laughs> you can only plan for so much. I also think another thing that made the show work so well is the chemistry of all of the actors. Um, so, first off, three of the main actors are in Tron. Yeah, uh, okay, so Bruce Boxleitner, Peter Jurisic, and... Uh, oh, is it just the two? I think it's just the two of them. Oh, okay. Two of them are <laughs> in Tron. Why did I think there was another one? But, you know, you're right. Because Bruce Boxleitner is Tron.
1: Right. And uh, Peter Jurisic played a character called Crom.
0: Yes, and he was an errant accounting program. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... is it? Londo and Jakar's chemistry is bar none everybody's favorite. Um Michael Garibaldi's interactions with everybody was just fire. Because it, he's it, the he's the
1: he's the the hard boiled PI type character. You know, yeah, he's, he's, the, the, the he's just, just the, facts, the ma'am
0: he's the enlisted guy. He's just a, he's just the, the regular guy. He's not a politician, chief. he's not a um you know, he's not one of these big wigs. He's not representing an entire species. He's just trying to make sure that the space station works and doesn't blow up, you mm-hmm. know? And he's just doing his best. And then, um, you know, you have the, the various characters just interacting with each other. I think one of my favorites is w- the, every one of the ambassadors has an assistant. So Delenn had Lanier, Londo had, um, Veer, Vier. Uh, Jakar, Jakar had, had Natoth, and then, uh, there was another one as well. Um, but their interactions were amazing.
1: They've actually, they, they've actually done a couple episodes, if I remember, of It's Just the Underlings. Yes. That are, that are meeting up at a, they're meeting up in a, in a restaurant district called the Zokolo. Yes. On the station. and They just meet up at the Zokolo at the end of their day to just gripe about their bosses. Right.
0: They don't say any details, but they just vent and then, same time tomorrow. Same time same tomorrow. Same time
1: tomorrow. You know. <laughs> uh, another thing that made the show absolutely great was the guest cast. Yeah. And I'm going through the list here. I do not recognize a lot of these names, but uh, I will. I, I I have to mention. Uh, I have to mention at least two of them. Okay, uh, really so I'm going to guess you're the,
0: your two. Okay. Bester. Which is like the Walt, biggest, right? So Walter Koenig, yeah, Walter Koenig, uh, check off from
1: the original Star Trek. The Core is mother, the Core is father, right? Who comes back as like the leader of this like evil like like a telepath organization called the Psychor. Yeah, he and, is amazing as a bad guy.
0: And I'm going to guess um, uh, Sheridan's wife. <sighs> Am I right? Is it Sarah Gilbert? <sighs>
1: Melissa Gilbert? Melissa Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert was on... Uh, yes, Roseanne. On Roseanne. No, <laughs> Melissa Gilbert, who I've I had a crush on since I was a wee little kid. because Who
0: didn't? Everybody <laughs> on that cast had a crush on her.
1: Right. Because... Uh, uh, Oh, the, the Little House in the Prairie, right? Yeah. But no, that, yeah, uh, Melissa Gilbert is the, or was the real life wife of Bruce Boxleitner and they brought her in as a guest on a couple episodes and amazing. No, yeah. the other ones I got to mention is uh, Jeffrey Coombs. Oh, yeah. Was on Babylon 5 because he loves to play space aliens because he's played everyone in every Star Trek ever, even the cartoon
0: one. Man, if you tell me he's the, uh, the praying mantis. Oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> and the other one I gotta talk about is, <laughs> just cause it's funny. So who did Jeffrey Coombs play again?
1: Uh, let's find out. It's been so long. Um, he made an appearance in the Babylon 5 episode, Eyes. Uh he uh, he looks like he plays uh he's a human. Looks like it okay. uh, uh, looks like a psycho uniform, but Ooh, I don't Oh, he think gets it is. to play
0: a human. That's awesome.
1: That never happens for Jeff. Yeah. You never get to see his face without makeup. The other one I got to talk about is there is an episode where there is a human comedy duo doing stand up in the oh, Vocal of Penn and Zooty. And yes, Rebo and Zooty. Everybody
0: is, loves Rebo just, and Zooty. Which is just which is
1: just pen and teller doing their shtick, but it's funny that they. Uh, it, it was done well. Yeah. That, that sort of stuff makes me laugh. Um, people that are going to write in with uh, or send in their audio clips of why they love Babylon 5. Tell us who was your favorite
0: guest star because I'm going through the list here. There's a lot. Well, I mean, we've got Morden. We've got um, the one episode where Jack the Ripper is there. Uh, that is really good. Isn't that? Yeah, Morden was Ed Wasser. Do I know him? Uh, I mean, I know him as Morden. Mr. Morden. I don't, I don't know the other stuff
1: that he's been on. Um,
0: but, yeah, he was in Quantum Leap as a young executive. I don't think (laughs) he had a giant career, just saying. Um, he was in 24. Yeah. The, the guy that played Saris, uh, in Galaxy Quest and he's in Mass Effect and a bunch of other things, uh, he was, he was in, uh, in this as well uh but um I think he might be the the praying mantis guy. Uh he, he's kind of typecast. I know that the down below people are going to be uh asking about Clarence Corwin. That's not his name in the actuals uh credit sheet, uh, but it's Corwin he's he's on the the bridge there. Uh they they made up a name for him until we finally got his name and they were all upset that his name was not Clarence. Um <laughs> but there are so many I thought that I I thought that either Mark Shepard or his dad was on this at one point, and I can't remember. Oh, it goes here. There's a yes, list. the Soul Hunter, William Morgan Shepard, Mark Shepard's father. Right. Awesome. So, yeah. I have a list here of. Actors that. There's a very short list. The,
1: the one, two, three, four. There are six actors mm. that have roles in Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Babylon 5. Ooh, okay. Robin Sox, Christopher Neem, W. Morgan Shepard, Guy Sineer, Jim Norton, and David Warner.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so Robin Sox is, is Saris from yeah. Galaxy Quest. Right. Okay. Let's
1: so, see. I'm, I'm just opening them all up now. So, Jim Norton
0: is a comic, right? Like that, Jim Norton?
1: Uh. Christopher Neem... Which one are you looking at? Which one are you looking up now? Sorry,
0: I wasn't looking. I just said Jim Norton.
1: Oh, uh, all the way down the list. Okay, wow. Jim Norton, um, on IMDb. This this is wonderful. This is wonderful audio. Nutty oh, yeah. edit
0: all of this. No, that's not the Jim Norton I was thinking of. No. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. I mean, there there are yeah definitely people that have been as you said on Star Trek, Doctor Who, and Babylon Five. That's the that's the yeah. illustrious oh, list but also David Warner David Warner well,
1: one of name. them who was in Star Trek Doctor Who and Babylon 5 he was in the movies he was in Final Frontier the Undiscovered Country and The Next Generation okay okay B- but he was also in Tron so you're oh, right there I was were right. three of there them.
0: were three see I th- oh as soon as I see his face I'm like oh I know that guy yes yes absolutely um yeah yeah that's that's Chancellor Gorkin from Undiscovered Country Awesome!
1: Yes. Um, and, yes, and and William Morgan Shepard—that's the—that's the—that's Mr. Shepard, the elder. Yes, yes,
0: that's Mark Shepard's father, right? Who is also in Star Trek, by the way. Was died in 2019. Yes, yes, he did.
1: As a matter of fact, hold on. Let me go through this list here. Oh uh, no,
0: this is terrible radio.
1: Of those six, there's only one that's alive. Two that's alive. Oh. Three. Oh yeah, three of the six.
0: Babylon Five, you're doing it again. Just <laughs> killing everybody. I, I do want to say, Phil Lamar the lamar if you are listening to this please take care of your health as well as all the other new actors please take care of your health please don't um die. as much as i love this show um i don't love that the actors die now it, it, it it's just it's just one of those it's, it's one a of those 20 year surprises. old show it's a thing that happens except that it was what
1: almost 40
0: shut up uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a show over 20 years but it's a thing that'll happen but the, the actors started dropping like right after the show stopped. This is not a new thing, <laughs> but it's a great show. I'm really excited
1: for it. And for a while, for a while, there was also the chance that if you didn't die, you would turn into a
0: right wing, uh, nut job radio host. Well, you know, and, and that goes back to us talking about how JMS and the cast were so wonderful to each other mm-hmm. because they, they really did care about each other. Mm. Um, when Jerry Doyle passed away, uh, JMS is well known for v- being very progressive in his politics, mm-hmm. in his interpersonal relationships, and Jerry Doyle was a right-wing radio host. That's how he finished up his career, and um, very conservative. They didn't always agree, but when Jerry Doyle passed, JMS had a great... Uh, send off a great quote about how they didn't always agree politically, but he was one of the best people he ever knew, one of the best actors he ever knew. I'm, I'm going off of memory here. And it was, it was class act, but also it wasn't just, it wasn't just he can say something nice when somebody passes. They still had communications, like even though they don't agree, they still would get along, they would still see each other. Um, and that's what I've heard from most that work on the cast. They were, they were friends, they maintained those friendships, and I think that's why their chemistry worked so well, is they really did have a very good working relationship, even when certain people were married to other members of the crew. Okay.
1: I have the, the end of his statement here mm. that he wrote uh, about the death of Jerry Doyle. Uh, so it, it, it's a whole thing. You can find it online. But just the last paragraph reads, So dear sweet universe, if you're paying attention in the vastness of interstellar space, take a moment from plotting the trajectory of comets and designing new DNA in a far-flung cosmos and spare a thought for those who you have plucked so untimely from our ranks and knock it off for a while. Yes. Be- because this isn't fair.
0: This isn't fair. And That's Jerry right. Doyle
1: would be the first person to tell you that right before he puts a fist in your face, which is what I imagine he's doing right now on the other <laughs> side of the veil.
0: That's fantastic. I love it. Yes, exactly that. And, you know, like I said, uh, uh, JMS, very, very progressive person. Um, I know that, you know, I'm a big fan of the new uh, She-Ra and there are a lot of people wanted JMS to disown it and to say that it wasn't his She-Ra. And you can also look up what he says about it and how how much he loves it and he loves the direction. And it's exactly what he was doing when he was creating She-Ra. And that he's just glad that, yes, it is a, a whole female team taking over that character because it's getting the treatment it well deserves. Like, I love that. So um as I'm looking forward to this new show, as it comes out, I have to... um
1: I, I have to sing. You have to sing. I have to sing. I have to sing the immortal words of a piece of advice that I got from my friend Paul.
0: Okay. Don't, don't let, let me, down. me down. I don't think they will. I, I am Don't let I am me confident down. we will not be let down. I am confident we will not be let down. Um I do want to close out this episode with one of my favorite quotes from uh, Babylon 5. And I'm paraphrasing a quote. So uh, again, forgive me. D- don't at me, bro. Well, you could at me if you want. Uh, whatever. It just generates more interest in what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but I do want to share. Um, I think it was Marcus who says um, that the world is a crazy random set of events. The universe doesn't control anything because how awful would it be if we deserved all of the bad things that we went through in life Mm -hmm. and that it gives me great comfort to know that there is chaos in the universe and that to me is is like life changing and it really does help when especially recently while we're recording this when you know that there are people that should not have to go through pain that should not have passed and should still be here with us it has no sense it, it it is not fair but the universe isn't fair because it would be much worse if it was so that's that's my closing any any closing thoughts
1: give it a watch guys uh the graphics are horrible the costumes are worse uh but the writing the humor the 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 stories that are being told are uh, some of the best you'll ever see on TV. Uh, Everything we know about how a dramatic television series is done on TV now started because of Babylon 5. So even just from a historical perspective, understanding where all of your favorite TV shows come from, I think is important. Uh, I may be overselling it, but that's fine. This is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. It has some of my favorite characters of all time. The Shadows, which we haven't talked about at all, which is... Yeah, perfect.
0: because we well, we know some people are listening. We're not going to spoil everything
1: because the shadows are maybe some of the best villains ever. And I I know I said everybody was the greatest villain, but like the greatest <laughs> overarching bad guys of a universe ever. I love the shadows. I love what they do with them. The shadow ship yeah. is one of the coolest starship designs I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I love this show. I love everything about it. Um and I only hope that I only want other sci-fi franchises and other TV shows to come off the ground. I only want them to be treated with the same respect and reverence from their creators and their their producers, like Babylon Five was. Um, maybe not the overarching producers that canned the show and got rid of all the tapes. Yeah, but um, everybody that worked on it knew what they were making. And with JMS at the helm, they made gold. Uh, and I can only hope that other shows hit it out of the park as good as this one.
0: Yeah. And and honestly, I, I love the idea of having, you know what? We can't recapture that lightning in a bottle again. Let's animate it.
1: Let's animate it and let's do something fun. Yeah. And let's do something. Let, let's do a fun little throwaway story out of it. And, you know, I'm going to go there and I'm going to support it to show that our love for the universe isn't dead yet and that we still want more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I have one thing to ask you before we sign off. Go ahead. What do you want?
1: um, Spoo? What
0: do you want? (sighs) I don't know,
1: but this is where people can't see, but I'm holding up a pair of tassels, and I'll just (laughs) say that the next time we record, we're doing it my way. (laughs) We're
0: doing it my way. Yeah. The, the, The Mr. Morton line of, what do you want? And I want a really good movie, and I'm excited for it. And if anybody tries to mess with my Babylon 5 again, I would like to live long enough, just long enough to be there when they cut their head off and stick it on a pike as a warning to the next 10 generations that some favors come with too high a price. I want to look up into their lifeless eyes and wave like this little smile and a wave. And then he does it. And then he does it. What did Season the, four, he does it. What did the emperor tell you? The emperor told
1: us that we had to leave the we had to leave the Centaurum into the next generation. No, really. What
0: did he tell you? He told us we, we were both damned. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So uh, August fifteenth, Babylon five. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. Watch party. Watch party. Yes, uh, I'm in. Um, let's do this. Let's do it. All right. like to take a moment to thank our patrons without whom there would not be two episodes a month we would not be able to pay our server fees we would not be able to keep this thing going we wouldn't know that anyone was really invested or listening so thank you so much to all of you uh we just want to thank our patrons always make sure that they know that they are well uh, appreciated so thank you so much to our top patron Jax. thank you to the rest of the top tier uh Jason and Rich the TT. Thank you to the patrons of the arts, Kaylin, Mark Cabot, the encaffeinated one, the bathtub mermaid and Susanna. And thank you to the rest of the patrons that keep us going. That are the lifeblood of this whole Patreon campaign. Thank you to Shane, Selginor, Andy, Clifford, Greg, Harold, Hugh, Ian, 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 I expect to hear a recording from you. Uh, Justine for this Babylon 5. I really expect to hear that from Ian. Uh, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Crazy Joe Adventures, Mike, Peacock, Radical Geek, Stephen, Will. Will, I want to hear a recording. Uh, Will as well uh, should be recording something about B5 for us. And Zachman, thank you so much, all of you, for uh, just just helping us out and by the way if you are in our discord look at the emotes look at the little emojis that you have available to you you will notice that there are Babylon 5 ones and there have been for years since since the very beginning of having that discord and that is for another listener so thank you so much everyone uh, thank you for just keeping us going